Welcome to the CWA podcast series on successful dental partnership transitions. This is the final podcast in a three-part series. Our third series will begin to educate you on the actual valuation process, the philosophy of splitting the money with your partners, and the tax structure after the buy-in. CWA has been helping dental professionals with successful dental partnerships since 1984. We look forward to helping you and answering any questions you may have from this podcast series. You may also get answers or contact us through our website at www.kingwaters.com or by phone at 972-233-3323. In the second series, we discussed making sure your practice is ready to hire an associate and the employee and the at-risk phase. Now that we have moved through both of those phases, your associate is ready to begin buying into the practice. So the first big question everyone always wants answered is how much is my practice worth? So first you must understand some simple concepts about what a dental practice is actually worth. The primary valuation of a dental practice is based on the net cash flows or the income of the practice available to the owners. For example, if I have a practice that is doing 1.5 million and is netting 250,000 to the owner doctor, and another practice is doing 1.5 million that's netting 600,000 to the owner doctor, the practice that nets 600,000 will be worth much more than the practice that's netting 250,000, even though they're producing the same amount. A dental practice, unlike maybe a rental property that is based primarily on its tangible value, a dental practice is based on the intangible value of the continuation of the cash flows that the owner is able to pull out of the business. Because of this, it's very, very important for a doctor to understand the overhead of their practice to be able to determine the net profit before any doctor, salary, perks, or debt service. These items may include a non-working or an underpaid spouse, doctor perks such as insurance and pension, higher rent because the owner may own the dental building. This step is what we refer to as the normalization of earnings, and in the end result, you determine the practice net income that is available to the owner. This practice net income is the starting point for the valuation of a practice. I want to reference you back to the practice transition toolbook so that you can see the valuation chart and understand how this calculation flows from the net income of the practice to the actual valuation point of the practice. So let's look at an example. Let's assume that a practice is collecting $1.5 million with a 46% net income. So that net income would be approximately $690,000. This is again the net income before any doctor has pulled a salary out, all debt service is not being paid, and all the perks for the doctor. This $690,000 is our starting point for the valuation. And when you look at a valuation of a practice, and we have the $690,000, the first thing we have to realize is that in order to produce that $690,000 of profit, we have to have a doctor actually paid to do the work. So the first thing we have to do is subtract out a nominal value for a doctor doing the work. Any cash value above a standard valuation for a doctor is what we refer to as our increased or intangible value or the doctors that are working in the practice, their benefit to that practice. We utilize 25% of the collections in the office. So in this example, we would be subtracting 25% of 1.5 million or 375,000 
from the $690,000. This would give you a net cash flow of $315,000 if you were a doctor and just owned the practice and paid someone to do the work. Step two is then to determine what is the after-tax benefit of this to the owner of the business. We will use a blended tax rate of 33% to subtract out the tax effect and lower the $315,000 cash flow value to $211,000 after tax because what we're selling is the after tax value. Step three is to then take the after tax cash flow value and divide it by what we call the capitalization rate. The capitalization rate is really actually just a rate that's applied to an earnings stream to determine a value for a business. A capitalization rate is primarily used only in valuations where you're looking at a cash flow. So in dentistry, where we're looking at the cash flow value, we're not necessarily looking at adding up all of the tangible value of equipment and using just the value of the equipment. That might be more acceptable to a manufacturing company that's very heavy on manufacturing equipment. We're not looking at just the revenue because in a dental practice, overhead can vary significantly between practice to practice, creating a practice that is worth less, even though they produce the same amount of earnings. So the capitalization rate is utilized to divide by the after-tax cash flow to determine the full value of the practice. A capitalization is rate made up of three industry-driven standard returns. These are based upon investing in a stock, investing in a small company, and it builds on one another to create a standard percentage. The final percentage that's added to this is what we refer to as a subjective percentage, and it's based on specifics for the practice. So if you think about the capitalization rate like this, if you were buying just a standard U.S. government bond, you're going to expect a standard return with not much risk. If you're going to buy a large company stock, you're going to expect a bigger return and expect a little bit more risk. If you're going to buy a smaller company stock, you're going to expect higher return, but you're also going to expect higher risk. When you're buying a small business, the risk is even higher than a publicly traded company. And so we have to look at the subjective risk that's applicable to that specific practice and add that to the industry standards. These subjectives risk are multiple different things, and I want to go through some of those so that you understand how they're added to that. Number one would be the location. Do you have good visibility? Do you have a good location for your practice? What is your ability for growth? Has the practice been decreasing? Is the practice increasing? Are you seeing a lot of new patients? What's your insurance risk? Are you primarily PPO driven or are you a fee-for-service type practice? How long is the selling doctor staying on to help facilitate the transition of the patients to the buying doctors? What is the equipment age of the practice? Is it very old and is it going to need replace or is it brand new and will not need replace for several years? Do you own the building or do you lease the building? And what is your ability to expand as the practice grows? What's the tenure of the staff? Do you have all brand new employees or do you have long-term employees that help run the practice and think of themselves as owners in the business? What is the profitability of the practice? Is it below 40%? Is it above 40%? Each one of these will add or subtract to the capitalization rate, creating your overall capitalization rate to divide by your after-tax cash flow to create the value of the practice. A higher cap rate or higher capitalization rate means higher risk and a lower capitalization rate means less risk to the practice and a higher value. So for example, we would apply a higher capitalization rate to a practice that was not up to date and had very old equipment. That takes into account that that is going to have to be replaced versus a practice that would have a lower capitalization rate that has higher value of equipment 
and brand new equipment. That creates a higher value for that practice and how the equipment would be utilized in the value of this practice. So in our example, let's assume that we add all of this up and we determine that our capitalization rate is 20%. We would then take our $211,000 after-tax value, divide it by 20%, and have a value for our practice of $1,055,000 in this example. When looking at the value of the practice, the determination of the value of a specific practice is actually one of the easiest parts of the partnership transition process. It is based on several industry standards and guided by rules of the AICPA. All steps leading up to the valuation, hiring the associate, going through the employee phase, going through the at-risk phase, mentoring each other through this process, and the ongoing relationship that you will have with your business partner and how your partnership will interact with each other should actually be your primary areas of focus. It is very easy to understand where the valuation will fall within a range. Most partnerships fail not based on the value of the business, but based upon how the doctors work together prior to the business valuation or how they work together after the partnership is set up. The ongoing partnership is guided by the philosophy of splitting money and the ongoing tax structure. So in a dental practice, there are four basic ways to share expenses. Number one is direct allocation to a specific doctor. These would be items such as your lab costs, dues and subscriptions, car expenses, anything that would be personal to one doctor that you wouldn't expect to share with your partner. Number two is based on ownership. We recommend that any fixed cost, debt service, or lease payments are shared based on ownership between the doctor's production and between the doctor's and hygiene production. And the last two are the ones that we focused on in podcast series number two when talking about the at-risk compensation. The sharing of the profit in a dental practice must be based on a combination of both production-based profit and ownership-based profit. We discussed this briefly in our first podcast series when we were going over the economic summary of the process. If all profit is split based on production, there is never an incentive for a partner to want to buy more of the practice because as the practice begins to grow, if they're being compensated off of all of their production and what they do in the hygiene department, there's no reason to pay the other doctor to buy or own more of the practice. If all of the profit is split based on ownership, there's no incentive for the doctors to have production higher than their partner. So for example, if one doctor is continuing to produce 60% and the other doctor is continuing to produce 40%, but each doctor is receiving 50% of the income in the practice, it's going to lead to having conflict in your practice because one doctor is going to feel like they're, they're not being compensated fairly for what's happening in the practice. That is why a combination of sharing it based off of production and ownership creates the best opportunities for doctors to be successful in sharing the profits of the business. So based on this, CWA uses the net profit from the doctor's production as the profit that we split based on production, and the net profit from hygiene as the profit that's split based on ownership. Just as we talked about in the at-risk, the collections in the office are allocated to each doctor and hygiene based on the percentage of their production to the total office production, and expenses are then allocated in one of the four ways that we just discussed to each doctor and hygiene. So once these are all allocated to each doctor, the calculation will show the profit to each doctor in hygiene and the hygiene profit will then be allocated to each doctor based on ownership. There are certain minimums that CWA likes to see allocated to each doctor, especially as it relates to the hygiene profit percentage. 
When we allocate the hygiene collections and we subtract out the hygiene expenses and all of the hygiene salaries, we like to see that the net profit from the hygiene department is 50% of their production. That 50% profit is then allocated back to each doctor based on their ownership of the business. When a doctor is initially buying into the business, determining what percentage of hygiene they will get will be determined primarily by what level of the practice they can afford. So in our previous examples, we've been using an example of one doctor producing a million dollars and another doctor producing 500000 In that example, the buying doctor is producing 500000 of a $1.5 million practice. So in that example, they would be able to buy in and afford one-third of the business. As the business begins to grow, the buying doctor's production will increase from 500000 to a million. As that increases, the buying doctor will then be allowed to buy another one-sixth of the practice to be able to be a 50-50 partner in the practice. It's important to understand this because the buying doctor can't initially buy 50% of the practice because they would not be able to afford it because of the fact that their doctor production is not going to help give them enough discretionary profit to afford the debt service. But as the production increases, because the hygiene is split based on ownership, the doctor has an incentive to grow their production and earn more of their production, and then when the time is right, buy more of the practice to receive more of the hygiene profit. This keeps everyone incentivized to continue to grow the practice and always leaves money on the table for negotiation to buy a higher percentage of the practice and eventually allow for the transition, as we discussed in the economic summary, of one doctor completely out of the practice. The last thing I would like to discuss is our tax structure. While splitting the money, determining your valuation is also important. How you set your tax structure up so that it benefits both the buyer and seller are extremely important how you operate together long term. You can refer back to the practice transition toolbook for a reference on our tax chart so that you can visualize how the entities are set up and the cash flows from one entity to the next. So the recommended tax structure from CWA is first a partnership or LLC. The partnership or LLC taxed as a partnership is the entity where all the collections and all the dental expenses will be paid. It is where the income split will be calculated and the net profit allocated to each doctor will be determined. A partnership tax structure is the only structure that allows you to allocate income and expenses each year based on a profit allocation and not an ownership, making the partnership the entity of choice for all multiple doctor practices. It's very important that this is understood. You do not want to have a buying doctor buy into an existing corporation that a doctor already owns because it will take away from some of your tax benefits. The partnership then has to have a minimum of two partners. Each doctor will have their own corporation that will be a partner in that partnership. The selling doctor may be a C-corp or may be an S-corporation, depending on what they were prior to the sale. The buying doctor will always form a new S-corporation, and that S-corporation will buy assets from the existing doctor's corporation and become a partner in this new partnership. As the net profits are calculated each month in the partnership, they can be then distributed down to each doctor's corporation, where each doctor can then decide how they are going to pay themselves, and what benefits and perks they will pay out of their corporation. So why do we set this up? Why is this important that we set the partnership up and the doctors have their own individual corporations? Typically, we're going to have a buying doctor that's between the ages of 28 and 30 with probably a high level of debt versus a selling doctor who's 45 years old or more and more financially secure. 
So the first reason and the main reason is the fact that these doctors are in completely different tax situations. So as the business expands and grows and buys equipment and pays for debt, we can write those off and do different things within each doctor's corporation that allows us to manage the taxes for each doctor independently of how the other doctor is managing their taxes, which makes this best for each doctor's individual situation. So in summary, the tax structure is made up of a partnership with each doctor maintaining their individual corporation as a partner in that partnership and using their corporation to pay their individual salaries out to themselves individually to cover their personal lifestyle expenses. I want to thank you very much for listening to each one of these three podcasts. And in summary, the hiring of an associate and developing them to a partner is a major career and financial decision. And while initially will cause stress and cause you to work more, the long-term benefits based on Kane Waters' work with dental partnerships since 1984 greatly outweigh the upfront time and cost. This three-series podcast has taught you the basics of what's in it for the buyer and seller and how that helps them reach financial independence, the economic summary of the process, making sure your practice is ready to hire an associate, the hiring of associate and moving them from the employee phase to the at-risk phase, and eventually the valuation of your business, the philosophy of splitting the income, and the tax structure of your practice. The CWA process is an A to Z process so that you don't need separate consultants for the multiple stages of a successful dental partnership process. I want to remind you that what you've heard today in this three-part series is a small glimpse into our two-day practice transition seminar that we hold at our Plano offices in the spring and fall each year. I also want to remind you that you can download the Practice Transition Toolbook from our website at www.canewaters.com pts for the promo code to receive $500 off your seminar enrollment. The dates and the enrollment can also be found on our website at www.canewaters.com.